This is Corey Willis with PVI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. This is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Cass from Diesel Doctor of Tennessee, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the number one diesel truck podcast on iTunes. We want to thank you guys for the incredible feedback we get from the episodes and your messages on Instagram or Facebook or emails. And we want to encourage you guys to keep reaching out to us, keep letting us know if you have questions about episodes that we did, topics that we you know touched on, or suggestions for shows or guests to have on. We love hearing from you guys. Now today... I'm going to be chatting with Brian from Sinister Diesel, and he's going to tell us about how he started the company, where it came from, how they've grown. We're going to ask him about the Sinister Diesel blue color on on parts and about protecting your branding and also your, your products. And then we're going to also get into a, another discussion, which is you know, kind of a hot-button topic right now, which is EPA carb emissions on tuning hard parts, and also the racing side, what they've been through, what they see and the path that they see for all of our, our passions and enthusiasms to be able to continue to grow in the motorsport and in diesel performance. All right, let's get to the podcast with Brian and talk to him about Sinister Diesel. Brian, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to have you on today and chat with you about Sinister Diesel and products and I think trends that are going on in diesel right now. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having us on. We, uh, I'm excited as well. I got to start with the, 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 the question. And I gotta ask Old you. Blue, right? Yeah, gotta ask you about blue. What's going <laughs> yeah, on with the color? I mean, it's a popular, uh, it's a popular question. And you know, honestly, it's um, something that I'm, I'm good with talking about. It's, it's, uh, it was quite a ride to, uh, to get here to where we are today. But um, we started uh, the process of getting the trademark probably about a year and a half, two years ago. And it's a long, lengthy, um, lengthy thing. You know, it's not an easy. It's not an easy slam dunk thing where anybody can come in and uh, to the trademark office and, and go, you know, uh, I want a color. I want to trademark my color. It's something that you have to prove your case. And, you know, it was um, a handful of their attorneys to verify that it is a valid case. And and they found it to be true. You know, it, it what really deciphers it is um, coming into it and looking, you know, at that color in the industry, what is your typical consumer see when they think of when they see that color and it proved and you know, we actually had um, people um, like groups of people interviewed and uh, the consensus was when they see blue or are you know close to our shades of blue um, they think of sinister blue i think it it, it also kind of lends itself to a bigger question and that is you know why why is it important to protect you know that color or it can even expand into designs that people might do and different things in the aftermarket why is it important for a company to to protect their their branding and their products yeah and that's where um it was uh you know it's been a something in the works for us for a while just because we um saw as the industry was growing there was a lot of people piggybacking off of um, large companies um, to basically just directly copy and confuse the consumer. And, you know, um, overseas companies, I would say, are probably the biggest offenders of them all. But there's a there's a handful of um, companies here in the U.S. that, you know, are, quote unquote, bigger players in the diesel industry who they 
get their bread and butter by um, riding on the coattails of other companies and, and confusing customers. And that's where, when we started getting routinely um, phone calls and emails and uh, from customers who were needing tech help or warranty issues for parts that they bought on Amazon or from other retailers that they thought were Sinister Diesel parts, they were sold as a Sinister Diesel part and come to find out it's actually not a Sinister Diesel part. And we even had customers where they had a blue, you know, uh, intercooler, whatever, intercooler pipe, and uh, there was a photocopied uh, copy of our instruction booklet. It wasn't our actual, you know, it wasn't from us. Some company took it upon themselves to photocopy our instruction booklet and put it in there. So it's, it just was deceiving to customers, you know, and we started, it was, it was a huge eye-opener. I mean, it was literally, we would probably get a, at least a phone call or two a week um, for, for a while there. And that's where we really decided we need to do something. This is, it's not only um, damaging um, Sinister's name, but it's also deceiving the customer. I mean, you got these guys that, you know, they spend, you know, hard earned money, you know, three, 400 bucks and that, you know, that they've been saving for a long time on and they got duped into buying garbage when they thought it was a quality product with, you know, a warranty and tech comp to, be, to back it, and, and it really wasn't. That's where I can see two different sides of this as well for the the community and enthusiasts out there at large. Is One, as a consumer, you want to know no matter what part you buy in any industry, no matter what it is, if you're buying something because of your belief in the brand and the quality of it, you want to make sure you get it. And then yep. two is we see a lot where somebody has a great idea for a part and they have a CNC machine or, or something and they make it, they put it out there. And then all of a sudden, a few months later, you start to see it someplace else for 40% off. And we've got a question a lot of times from our episodes from shop owners and, and people who are, are coming up with products is how do I protect what I'm doing? How do I protect the name that I've built for this company or the, the products that I offer? And I think it's a really good subject and I think it sheds a lot of light on, on the uh, the color. You know why why you guys did that. What was the the reason behind it? And it, it's great to be able to chat with you about it and just ask you and hear it. You know, right from you guys. Yeah, and we have. You know, I've got we have shops that call up, um, and you know, other companies call up, other manufacturing companies call up and ask us how we did it and what we do, and you know, and not only you know we don't we have we hold. Uh, a, a good amount of um, patented products and um, different trademarks, um, and it's uh, it's an expensive process. It's a lengthy process. It really, honestly, shouldn't be as lengthy or as expensive as it is, but it, it is what it is. Um, and you know, it, I think we you know we are seeing um, well, obviously we're seeing a change in our industry, but our industry has grown from these little tiny shops and mom and pop kind of things to big corporations, you know, multi-million dollar corporations, companies that have 40, 50, hundred employees, you know? So it's, it's not the same as it was 10 years ago. It's not definitely not the same when we started in 09. Um, and this is where you start seeing, when you start seeing big, bigger companies or companies grow into big corporations, this is what the way that industries do is they start protecting their, their property. And this is the first step is to, to start getting trademarks and patents and, and, and all those type of things. That's where I see it, it as something that's so exciting 
because yeah it is it's, it's totally exciting it's you know it's it um it's not exciting when you write your attorney to check every month, but you know, it's, it's exciting and it's a necessity, I think, to continue to grow and to continue to develop. And it also pushes, um, the industry to be even better. You know, when you see something that, you know, you get somebody who, when, when something has a patent on it, it's obviously a not, uh, not to be copied. And so you push yourself to go, okay, you know, I like that concept how can we make it better? And that's where we really, you know, we've um, really, really the last four or five years have spent a ton of money and time on our R&D department to get the best testing materials, the best um, quality of, you know, uh, fabrication equipment to um, push the envelope, to push ourselves. Even, you know, we're, we're redeveloping parts that we um, built and invent or created, you know, five years ago. You know, we are constantly pushing it to make it a better product. I really wanted to talk about the products because we're, you know, we're, we're diesel enthusiasts and go fast enthusiasts and stuff like that. And I wanted to, to go back to the beginning. You'd mentioned, you know, when you started in 2009 is how did Sinister Diesel start and how have you guys grown into uh, the company that you are now? It's a, uh, it's actually quite an interesting story, I feel. And um, we, so... I'll put you back even into 2008. Um, my business partner and I, we were in the marine industry. And um, in 2008, if anybody can remember, uh, it, we had a huge economic dip. And one of the very first things to go was um, your boats and, you know, jet skis and, you know, things like that. So people didn't need it. And so they weren't buying new boats. You know, they weren't. We were manufacturing parts for um, boat manufacturers. You know, we're in California and there's a dozen or so um, ski boat manufacturers here, you know, within an hour to two hours from us. So it was perfect um, until the economy crashed. And so we, out of pure desperation, um, started looking around for other things. And we started messing around with doing job shop stuff because we still had all the metal fabrication business and the tube um, fabrication and, and the CNC machines. So we were doing other things. And... Um, I think we had in 08 to 09, I think we had about, I think we had four employees. Um, my business partner had a 6.0 excursion and it broke down. We did not have the money to fix it. Um, so we started looking at what are other options. And we, the part that it was, was an EGR cooler. Uh, and so we started diagnosing it. We're like, well, we can make this, you know, we can, we can make this better. Right. Um, and so we did it put it on the truck, ran it for a little bit. And we're like, that actually worked. It actually can, you know, we can <laughs> see a difference. Uh, and, you know, we were like, you know what, let's try it. Let's put it on eBay and see if, you know, see if someone else is having this problem. And I think within probably, geez, two weeks, three weeks, it was just like uh, put fuel to a fire. It was insane, you know, and now, um, you know, we've kind of, you know, so we started with one skew and then we kind of added a couple other skews and we picked up some, some other, um, like we picked up SCT and things like that. And it just kind of just started rolling for us. Um, I, in 2010, yeah, I think that we hired our first, um, office person just because I couldn't handle all the phone calls that were coming in. Um, my business partner was, you know, he ran kind of the shop operations and, you know, and it just was all hands on deck. You know, we were doing, you know, eight, you know, 10, 15 hour days every day, just trying to get the thing off the ground. And we honestly just started with it as, 
a goal for just making a little extra cash for, for ourselves because we weren't making any money out of the company. Um, and now, you know, fast forward 10 years and, you know, we, when we started, we were in 4,000 square feet, four employees. Um, I think we had two CNC machines at the time. Now, you know, we've got 10 CNC machines. We're in over 30,000 square feet and we're, we float around 60 employees. So it's it's been a crazy ride, um, a lot of growth, a lot of a lot of learning experiences. You know, neither one of us had uh, had ever grown a business to this size, and uh, it's been fun. You know, it's it's uh, uh, it's been a fun learning experience. We've met incredible people, we've got incredible experiences, and uh, it's you know the diesel industry is way more fun to be in than boats or anything else. I mean, just you have such a diverse diverse crowd. You meet some interesting characters for sure. <laughs> and when you guys started with with six liter parts, what else did you guys expand into as far as with Cummins and Duramax so, and some of the new um, Quickly, the demand um, came for other brands, right? So, you know, we started doing, you know, we kind of, we like to find niche parts that uh, the manufacturer just straight up screwed up on and it happens on all of them right so we kind of go and we'll get a truck and and um, run the heck out of it and see what we can break on it and then you know also just kind of hearing feedback from customers and uh, our fortunately we have such a big group of shop owner you know we we kind of cater to all the elements so we shop we cater to wholesale distributors shop owners and retail customers. So we hear it all, um, all across the country. Um, and so it gives us a really good, um, wide open kind of thing to, to pick what our next parts are going to be. And, um, we typically have a bigger, our eyes are bigger than what our capacity is to come <laughs> to R and D at a time, you know, like our list for R and D is, is huge. Um, and it, it's a process, you know, it's not just a, you know, uh, one week we pick the part and the next week it's in production. It takes a long, t- you know, quite a bit of time to, to develop it, get it right, test it. I mean, some of the parts, you know, we do it, you know, half, you know, two dozen times just to, to make sure that it's the ultimate best when it gets to the customer. Um, so to answer your question, sorry, we go back to, you know, we went, we diversified probably really heavily into 2010 and 11 into the Duramax and Cummins market. Um, and I've really, really just been kind of pushing um, a lot of that in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, we, we've got a really good market for the 6.0 market uh, and pretty much the power stroke is in general. I think that's pretty much what we're most known for. But um, we have uh, a bunch of um, Cummins and Duramax parts that we have out. And that's what our main focus has been lately is is getting those type of you know those two engines um, new parts um, from sinister what's been so cool and i, I kind of geek out on this part is i love the different elements of the diesel industry and community so when we get messages from people they'll say like say it's a truck owner they'll be talking about the sinister diesel coolant filtration kit and i'll hear mm-hmm. that you know that side of it and then from a shop owner they might message in talk about a build or something and they're talking about these instructions are great like i got an instruction booklet with it so my first time doing it i had all the questions answered and it's so seamless and then you can hear from the distribution side hey these products are in stock and it all ties back into the what you just mentioned the r d the product 
the, the distribution of it, <clears throat> the actual install of the product, and then the truck owner wanting it and it fixing a problem that they're having on their particular vehicle. Right, yeah, and it's, um, we, you know, we were kind of used to uh, really, not to say hand-holding, but some hand-holding, really making sure that it's, it's 100% good for the customer regardless of their skill level. You know, I, I think uh, a lot of companies get caught up in we're selling to a mechanic. They know what they're doing. It doesn't need to look good. It just works. Yeah. Well, that's not the you know, it's not the case for Sinister. We really kind of take the your average Joe Schmo kind of um, customer and really cater towards them. The guy that, um, you know, he needs his truck for, to drive back and forth to work every day, but they're also go to the lake or pull the travel trailer camping because that's what we do. You know, I mean, you know, it's, we, that's, that's how we use it. But, you know, we, so we really like to have that as our main focus, but you still have those, um, hardcore, you know, race guys, the guys that are tractor pulling every weekend or that they're drag racing every weekend. And we have a division for that as well. You know, so it's, it's really, um, it's not easy trying to cater to both, but, I think we find a uh, we found a, a good medium, a happy medium, um, with being able to do both. If you had to pick, say, a, a set of products right now that are really hot, that people are really interested in, that you know, guys are having to to work extra time to to get you know the the parts ready to go and ship out, what are some really really popular things right now? Man, um, we let's see, what about. Three years ago, four years ago, we really started um, going into filtration. And I kind of geek out about filtration, like, uh, you know, what, where's the factory at for filtration? How can we make it better? What is the necessity? What's actually still in the system? Um, that's all stuff that really interests us. And so the coolant filtration we came out with, the 6.0, because it's pretty much the worst coolant, quality of coolant in, a, in, a, in any engine in the diesel market. It's just garbage without filtration. Um, and it is absolutely amazing. Once you tear open that first one after five, 600 miles, you are sold. Like it's well worth the, the, you know, the, the sub $200 that you spent on it. Um, and it just kind of, uh, followed into the other vehicles. Like we have a, um, a cat fuel filter for the Duramax. So it's a better filtration system and it's cheaper than factory. So it's, it's a win-win, right? Yeah. Um, and it's capped. So it's, you know, that's kind of cool too, but, um, we have oil filtration, um, uh, which filters it down past the, the point of the factory filtration. Um, uh, and then we go, we've gone pretty heavy in the, into the, um, air filtration, um, into cold air intakes and, and whatnot, uh, the last couple of years. And it's been, it's been huge. I think that that's probably one of my most favorite things just because, I love tube fabrication, uh, and I think it's it's awesome that uh, to see something that you know the factory intake is it's boring. You know it's you know it's probably one of the most exciting things to put on your truck because it's it's very self satisfying. You can hear it, you can feel the performance gain typically, and it just looks really really nice in the engine compartment. Um, and we can kind of show off our our skills. You know you don't have it's pretty rare to find a true fabrication shop in our industry. You got guys that own CNC machines and you guys got, you have guys that can weld, but I wouldn't call them a true fabrication shop. Start, you know, fab up some four inch tubing or three and a half inch tubing and weld it with TIG welds and, you know, and make it into production. That's when you're a fab shop. Uh, and that's what we do really, really well. 
Um, so I would say filtration, cold air intakes, um, you're going to see some pretty cool uh, stainless steel tube headers coming out from us. We have the 6L ones that we've been running for a while, and I was blown away at the performance gains that you get just out of changing the headers. I think, now, I'm going off memory here, but we saw about a 16 to 18 horsepower gain, no tinning, um, just replacing our headers uh, the, from the cast headers to our tube headers on our 6.0, on our 6.0 on our dyno. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, and it's just headers. And the sound is like, <laughs> you've never heard a 6.0 sound cooler than uh, one that's running our headers on. So we've got some coming out for, we just released the Duramax ones, or we're about to release Duramax ones. Kind of a spoiler alert. <laughs> and then 7.3 Power Stroke is probably, it's in testing now. I've got it on a few of our trucks. We're probably going to be ready to go, and I've said this before, and I keep we keep changing it and making it a little better, but we're probably ready to go mid-summer for, for retail. So that's that's things that we're kind of the most excited about right now. What's so cool when you were going through the list of, of, of products is I think about when I've owned trucks or any of my friends or people I know, and, and the first set of things we do, you know, it's usually some tuner, some something right. electronic. But then we get in the air intake, and then we think, how can I protect this engine? How can I make yeah. the parts last longer? How can I do a better job? And then that, I think, sticks with us as we get into, say, high performance, is we put, you know, a compound turbo setup or triple turbos or just other things that we're going to do to make a certain power number. And we think, how do we protect the oil? How do we protect the coolant? How do we yeah. do all these things? And it, it's really cool to see how that fits. Such yeah, because spectrum. we all, you know, we all want more horsepower and we all want more torque and, you know, to, even if we don't need it, we all want it, right? Yeah. But <laughs> ultimately, we all need that thing to keep running, you know, so it's great to get the extra power out of it. But how do we, how do we not be on the side of the grapevine uh, with the travel trailer behind us and the kids and the wife all pissed off because you added extra power to the truck and didn't take any preventative maintenance, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's a big, you know, that's, that's where um diversity of a company kind of comes in and you know we have multiple different divisions that they're all focused on their own individual thing but it really all kind of works together to where let's get good clean safe power out of it but yet still make it a, a good reliable driving truck you just mentioned clean safe power and that, that brings up another topic that yeah. that i think is really kind of it, it's it's trending right probably now. the hottest topic right yeah. now i think yeah it definitely yeah, for sure. We, um, I'm assuming you're talking about carb and EPA. Yeah, talking about that and just changes that are coming to truck owners and then companies who offer products for the truck owners and how this is all going to work. Like, what's the? It just kind of feels like everything's up in the air and nobody really knows like what's going to be available next week, next month, next year. Right. You know, can I still modify my truck? How can I? And you guys have been um, in this for a while. We have been in it for a while, and we were kind of, um, I think we were one of the very first um, ones to really go through, uh, not only, I hate using the word investigation, because it's not, they don't really call it an investigation, but um, uh, interaction with CAR. Um, and, you know, we started very early on, probably, I think we, I think we actually, our first initial contact with them was about six years ago. Um and, you know, I think it also didn't help that we are, you know, kind of at CARB's doorstep. You know, we're only an hour or so away from their, one of their biggest offices. Um, but, it, you know, the process, 
although painful um, to write that check, uh, it was uh, eye-opening, and we gained a lot of information on both sides. They gained information from us, we gained information from them, um, and I feel that uh, it made us a better company. And the other thing that it opened our eyes to is to not um, to be diversified in your in your business, but you know to focus on the on-road non-emission things for your average Joe Schmo. And it also pushes you to you know not just rely on that heavy-handed tuner. Um, but there's other things, you know, like I was going back to the, to the headers, you know, I mean, the, our car, uh, our headers are carb approved, they're EO number. Um, you can't say carb approved. They have an EO number. Um, and they gain power, but without tuning, you know? Um, so the market is going to have to change like that. And I think you're already seeing it. You know, you're seeing guys get out of doing just your, you know, deletes and things like that. And, you know, and you're, um, you're going to see some of the, the cleaning up of some of the shops that, you know, a shops quote unquote started up by just deleting DPFs. Uh, and I think you're already seeing those shops go away and close up and kind of move on. You're seeing the guys that were just in there for the quick buck move on, which is good. It'll clean it up. It'll get the professional, business, you know, the good businesses and corporations that really kind of um, want to stay here, make the industry better, still make that money um, and um, not be so worried about, you know, if EPA is going to come knocking at the door every day. Um, so with our experience with CARB, it really kind of helped lead into uh, once we were all done with CARB, uh, you know, lo and behold, about three months later, EPA came knocking on our door. And um, they're different. You know, the two are very, very different um, organizations. Um, CARB is, you know, nonsense. They don't really spend the time on us educating them as far as how the parts go. They just, it is what it is. Matter of fact, here's, you know, here's your penalty and, you know, let's move on. So we, you know, for EPA is more of how can we, how can we help the industry conform? How can we make this better? And the biggest problem that we have and it's us and every other single person in this industry is there's no black and white definitions of you can do this. You can't do this. You know, there's, we need, I heard Corey say it and I, and I loved it. It's a great terminology. We need a roadmap. Um, and it's, there's not a definitive, um, roadmap for our industry. So the only way we're going to get that, it's not going to come from them. It's going to get, uh, we need all to, to join together and really push them to make um, definitive answers for the nationwide um, EPA and um, help us become um, compliant in the industry and what they're expecting. You know, they, I've seen, there's been polls on um, Facebook and, you know, different things for their specific shop owner Facebook pages and the, the, the swing of the things people are getting penalized for is huge. I mean, like, I'll tell you a little bit of how kind of frustrating the system is, is we had, um, we had during our carb investigation, they were trying to find us for the Ford factory blue spring kit, the system that you buy directly from the Ford dealership. You can go online and buy it. They were trying to find us for that. And, you know, I went to them and, I'm, and we, you know, our argument was, well, what, this is a Ford, you know, if you go to Ford, you know, like if you had a problem with it, you need, you're talking, you're barking up the wrong tree. Um, 
And I never really got a you're right. I got a well, we'll just take this off and add it, you know, add on uh, to your find somewhere else. And that's that was exactly what happened. Um, so that they don't have the education to give us about the parts that we're trying to sell. Um, and we have to force them to do it. Otherwise, it will never happen. We're just going to keep going into um, a big abyss of you know the unknown unless you really kind of push them and make it happen. That was one of the one of the themes or feed, feedback that I got from people after the, the Corey Willis episode is a lot of people were like, so does this mean that we have to drive stock trucks the rest of the time we own them? And yeah, no. and I think it, it, and that's what's so interesting to me is, is what you'd mentioned with the roadmap and, and how to do it and the education. It's not just, hey, you can't put anything aftermarket on your vehicle. But the, these entities aren't necessarily diesel performance enthusiasts. And, totally. you know, they're looking at something from, you know, a, a kind of a textbook kind of way and saying, well, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. But there's so much explanation. And I think in that and in companies coming together to be able to say, this is how we do it. These are our ideas. There is a framework there. There is a way you know, to keep all this going. And I think what you talked about with the parts that you guys have and the, the EO numbers is there's a way to offer aftermarket parts that help with different, you know, whether it's efficiency or, you know, di- you know different things with a vehicle and do it within yeah. the, the, the framework of what's out there. And that's the exciting yeah. part. Yeah, totally. It's, it, and it, there's, it, I saw somebody posted on this one forum about, um, so what are we, you know, what's all the shops going to do? Now that they're de- the performance market's dead, it's like I don't. It's not dead, you know. Like you look at the gas industry. Go walk through SEMA, walk through Central Hall at SEMA. I mean, there's thousands of companies that are specifically in the gas industry doing performance parts, and they're rolling right along. Uh, you know, this is this isn't the first time that this has happened to an industry, and it may it just betters the strong ones and weakens the weak ones. You know, so you know, like we just had a meeting with. Um, the EO number side of CARB uh, last week down in uh, LA. And, um, you know, we were having problems with the time frame, and they instantly just want to test everything that we have. Well, some come to find out it's because we've had a previous run-in with CARB. But it also just comes down to, you know, they're hiring these very green engineers who they aren't, they've never torn apart a 6.0. They don't know. And it, so we have to spend the time and educate it. And it's not going to happen if your head's in the sand. You know, we have to, you know, like we, we flew down there to, and spent an entire day. We flew, you know, we said we brought our parts, we brought the factory parts, and really just kind of wanted them to look at the parts side by side and realize that you can make tweaks and get better performance without killing the emissions. Um, and it was a huge eye opener from them, uh, for them. And they even said that, you know, we had, we had the, um, highest up manager for the EO number division. Um, and we had, I think there was three engineers and, um, a couple other people bounced in and out, um, just to get the experience, just to see the parts. Like it was amazing. Some of these people have never physically picked up an intercooler pipe. It was crazy. Like, <laughs> like there's must be EO in these and testing them and approving them or not approving them. How do you do that without even, you know, like physically touching it and looking at it and, you know, and, and seeing that this isn't some big scary thing. 
um, and that we're not trying to deceive anyone. You know, there's it's just there's minor gains that we can ha still have in the performance industry, and it, it'll happen. It's already happening. It's already you know you're already seeing tuners with EO numbers. You're already seeing crazy you know uh, performance gains out of 100% emission on trucks um, through tuning or through hard parts. It's just uh, the harder routes. It's you know you got to spend the time, you got to spend the money on the on the testing equipment and the the right engineering and the right materials to make it better. You know it's it's not the the 2010 days where you you know you took some exhaust stuff off and slapped on a tuner and you know you gained 200 horsepower. It's not there anymore. One of the things that I think has been going on for a really long time and I've I've seen it you know way before I ever did podcasts or anything like that is. If we didn't live in California and we would hear about EO numbers or something, we'd be like, oh, it's California. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah. But that's not the case anymore. And I think a lot of other states are looking at that model and either, you know, adopting it directly or in some variation. And so what happens, and, and I think the process you guys went through and what you, what you told us, is how you get through that and how you keep your product line going and give truck owners what they want it's going to spread to other areas and absolutely and that's what it's already happening yeah yeah it's i think here in colorado they're talking about something very similar yep. to it and and other arizona is not too far away you know i mean it's it, it is it, you know you can say all you want about california and the bad part is is that california is looked at as an example state you know they are they look you know a lot of other states go well it's working for California or California's doing it. Why not us? Um, and that's for that. Like we don't ship into some other States for that reason. Um, and it's, um, it just is a, it's an interesting time, you know? And the, like I said, the strong ones, the ones that are willing to change and keep moving with the industry, there's still going to be an industry there. There's still an industry now. I mean, you know, we're, we're up, um, from last year and you know, it's, it's, it's still growing. It's just, uh, not your, you know, I hate to say easy, but it, it was it was a hell of a lot easier in 2009, 2010 than it is in 2019 um, in the in the diesel industry. Um, so you just you just got to hustle and work and do it and figure out and you know and, and but the industry's still there and it's still an exciting thing and gosh dang these trucks stock are coming out with tons of power and you know you start modifying and tweaking it a little bit and holy cow they're beasts. <laughs> you look back at like a. A sales brochure from the mid '90s with like a 12 valve yeah. Dodge, and you look at like an yeah. L5P now. And you're like, yeah, we have we have a second gen that we test on, and I drove it. I did a test drive on it uh, about a week or two ago, and I'm like, how did we possibly even move with these things? Like, how do you tow with this? You know, for compared to you know my 18 Ford, you know, it's like it's crazy, but we loved it, and it was you know it just was great, and they were way less complicated. Um, and so it's, you got to kind of. You know, I don't know. It's kind of funny to look back, and and that wasn't that long ago. That's the other thing is, you know, the uh, automotive industry has been giving us phenomenal platforms in the last few years to to build and tweak on. What, uh, you know, with that, what's I just thought of it is like, you know, we think of the federal emission standards, and you know what necessitated a change from a VP forty four to a CP three, and how that, you know. It, helped the manufacturer meet a different tier of emissions but then it mm -hmm. also expands the possibility of what you can do with the truck in 
in a way, they almost kind of feed off of each other. Is it, it, it makes the manufacturer think, how do we make this vehicle more efficient, still keep the power up, because we're all looking at the power and torque numbers when right. we're looking for a new truck. Oh, yeah. And, well, that's why I'm looking for that 1,000 foot-pound torque <laughs> ram right now, you know, just because. <laughs> what do you think about the race side? The, the actual diesel racing community? I think it's there, and I think, I unfortunately, I don't think that uh, EPA and or CARB um, have any idea as to the magnitude of uh, how big it is, how big it actually is. Um because, you know, it's like, you know, we're a little bit different on the West Coast, but, you know, you start going back east, and, man, it's, there's a tractor pull or a drag race every weekend, and sometimes during the middle of the week, there's, you know, there's events. And these guys are, you know, they're, they're literally rolling it off the trailer, putting it, you know, putting it in the dirt. Once it's done, they unhook, it goes, goes right back on the trailer and back into the shop. So, I mean, that's, they're racing. You know, this is a legitimate race guy. I'm not talking about the guys that quote-unquote racing and that you know they're going down the freeway these guys are legitimately you know putting the truck through the paces and they're awesome because they beat the living hell out of our parts and it, it makes us make better parts and you know it's it's a it's a crucial part of the industry um, because there is no one else that's put more abuse than than these guys are on the trucks that's and i think that there i think there will be there still will be a racing industry you know regardless of what you know, some of the threat, you know, the, some of the fears are, it, it, you know, like I go back to the gas industry, you know, it's, there's, I mean, every weekend there's thousands of different races um, across the country that, you know, are in the gas, you know, they run gas. So why can't we run, do the same thing for diesel? I think it's forcing a kind of a quick evolution of, of, of how it's, how it's done. And, and that's, it, I think it's an example to us as well. You know, when, you know, car. We think of cars and trucks from the '80s as not having very much power, and then you look at what's on the lot at a Chevy or Dodge dealer now with a, you know, some of the cars that they have, and there is a way to do it. And I think collectively, it will get done, and it's it's exciting. I don't think it's the, you know, the end, so to speak, of what people may think with tuning and hard parts and, and all that sort of stuff. And it's really cool to get your insights as, you know, having been through it. And, and been doing this for so long, you know, what, you, know, you guys are an example as well of, hey, you can, you can survive, you can make parts, you can, you know, keep growing, keep doing things for, for, for truck owners and be successful. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's, um, I really uh, can't stress the fact that, you know, we, we all need to really kind of come together and kind of find a group and a voice for, for the industry, because we don't, um, you know, it, it, it might not look how we want it to be, you know, and we need to educate the people that are trying to enforce these laws as to what's reasonable and what's not, because they honestly, they don't, they don't know at all. You know, they don't know what a part, you know, does or, um, it could do. Um, they are just speculating on a lot of things, and, and we need to educate them. It's our job to educate them. It's uh, I think something that here this year is is going to take shape pretty pretty quick, and it's a topic we you know, we love to talk about it because it's real and it's it affects you know the passion, which is why you, know, you guys build parts and we do a podcast and people listen and people are going to races and people are buying these trucks for work and you know to make a living is they're passionate about it and. And the, 
I, I don't know if I can quite put my finger on it, but there's just something about diesel. I don't know if it's yeah, no, it's a camaraderie. Yeah. I think is a lot of it. You know, it's it's, um, you know, we all in the business world, you know, and and the manufacturers, you know, we might have our differences and in, in opinions, but we are all uh, enthusiasts of the industry, and we all, you know, really strive to to make it um, the best that we can that we can possibly do. And you know, I think it's um, it's kind of like the you know the Ford Chevy Dodge debate, right? But we're all truck guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we all give each other shit about, oh, well, you know, this is better or that's better. But at the end of the day, we all make fun of the rice rockets, right? You know, like yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's a camaraderie. It's a, it's a, it's a very cool industry to be in. I, I've had a hell of a time with it. It's uh it's a fun, fun thing to, to experience. And what's a, what's a good way for any listeners out there, whether they want to reach out to you guys because they're interested in a cool filtration kit or they want to talk to you more about, you know, protecting their products or, Hey, I, I really like what you said, Brian, about how we got to come together and, and, and educate, you know, people, what's the best way to get in touch with Sinister Diesel? So, um, our website would be a great outlet just to try to check out what parts we have and, you know, what we're doing, uh, which would be sinisterdiesel.com. Uh, but you can also, you know, always, uh, call into the office and talk to our techs or even ask for me, you know, if, if we want, if you guys have some questions about business side or, you know, the kind of the battle that we've, we fought, you know, for sure, just, you know, call in the office, which is uh, 916-772-9253. And, you know, they'll get you to me and, you know, we've got to talk about it. I love talking to guys in the industry. It's, it's great. You know, for a while there, I didn't really realize the value. Um, but, you know, as I, you know, every time you kind of reach out and really just kind of get past the ego kind of shield, um, we, we all have the same goal, you know, we all want to make money and have fun in the industry. Um, and you know, we, we all have a common interest, which is great to kind of build off of. And what I would love to do is maybe we can do like a group podcast with, you know, with some of the other guys that have kind of gone through this and we can kind of have a, I think you'd have a heck of a brainstorm, um, session, you know, on a podcast with it. Oh yeah. That would, that would be fantastic. And it, it's, it's yeah. something we're, we're not giving up on it and don't want to, we just don't want it to be not talked about or heard by the yeah, mainstream. And I think that's been the problem, honestly, is it's, it's been such a hush hush thing um that this is why it's escalated to the point that it has you know people have either denied it or put their head in the sand or just kind of talked not wanted to talk about it because they don't want to bring attention to themselves but it's 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 out there it's real it's happening you know i mean you you got huge you know wds that are making big changes and you know it's it it's it's happening it's just you know we all need to kind of figure out how what is the best for our industry and how we can kind of help um work towards that if we could we can help make that happen definitely we would love to sit down and do like said a group podcast and just just talk about it and and i i think it'll be all right i think it'll be fine and oh yeah it's it's i mean you've got to look at again go back to the, to the gasoline industry, you know, I mean, it's, you know, like Edelbrock sprints, you know, I mean, they've got companies that have been around for decades, you know, and, um, they've seen it, they saw it, you know, they EPA and carb went after the gasoline industry not that long ago, you know, 15, 20 years ago, whatever. And it changed them, but it changed them for the better. You know, you got some of the weak ones out that were really kind of screwing up the market more than helping. And, um, you got the strong ones that just kind of prevailed and made, the parts better for the consumer 
man, I had a good time chatting today. This was, this was fun, and it is really cool to be able to to ask you some questions that we've gotten over the years, really, and get your unique perspective on them, which is is so hard, I think, for the diesel community sometimes is, you know, be able to say, you know, what what'd you guys go through, or hey, how'd you guys get started? Yeah. How'd you grow a business from? You know, and, and that's that was so cool about, you know, when you're talking about going from working in the marine industry to parts, is that's how a lot of us started is, yeah. you know, it, we were in something else and got into this. I hear that from shop owners, and, and that's th- that was really cool to, to hear that, and I think it'll provide a lot of, a lot of insights and, and, and help, you know, some of the shop owners out there, some of the enthusiasts, or even manufacturers. Yeah, well, and that's, and that's the goal, you know, and I... I I enjoy doing this type of stuff like this and we're, you know, we're fairly transparent. So, you know, it's the big, the big boy questions and, you know, we can definitely help other guys out there and, and love to talk to you guys and, and kind of share our experiences. We appreciate your time today, Brian, and, and uh, sharing some knowledge with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to sinisterdiesel.com If you have any questions about parts that we talked about, or to reach out to Brian or the techs or, or anyone over at Sinister Diesel about anything we talked about, whether it's about business, emissions, you know, to going through the process of manufacturing a part, racing, anything like that, they're more than happy to chat with you guys. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.